in sharing the joy of thanksgiving, I fast for, I went, I went into Revelation chapter 7. So if you have a Bible you want to turn there, please go there. And this is what John writes. I saw a huge crowd. Too huge to count. Everyone was there, all nations and tribes, all races and languages. They were standing dressed in white robes and waving palm branches, standing before the throne and the Lamb and heartily singing, Salvation to our God and His throne, salvation to the Lamb. All who were standing around the throne, angels, elders, animals, fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, singing, Oh, yes, the blessing and glory and wisdom, thanksgiving, the honor and power and strength to our God forever and ever and ever. Oh, yes. And just then one of the elders addressed me, Who are these dressed in white robes and where did they come from? Thanksgiving is kind of in the heart of the worship in eternity. So I do know in our celebration of Thanksgiving, I know the pilgrims experience the joy of Thanksgiving. And I know that in our story that we've been following along in Acts, I know that Peter and his praying friends, when Peter showed up having been released from prison and getting a stay of execution... Uh, He didn't lose his head. They experienced the joy of thanksgiving. And then as we read about the redeemed of this age, they, they experienced the joy of thanksgiving around the throne of the Lamb. There, there's this question that comes out. Well, those pilgrims, Peter and his friends, and those saints in eternity, well, they get to experience... Are, do, are we going to? You know, how do we experience thanksgiving joy. So I want to remind us this morning of how the pil- what's the what's the pathway that the pilgrims went down to get to thanksgiving joy? What path do I just remind us because we've been reading the story in Acts, what path did Peter go down to experience thanksgiving joy? And then then what about these saints uh, in eternity, giving th- how did they? How did how did they? You know what path did they go down to? Well, for the pilgrims, their Thanksgiving joy came out of several things. One, after sixty-six days at sea, they missed their intended port. They got the right latitude. It was the lawn. They were off on the longitude. And so what that resulted in is it took three months to find Plymouth Harbor. And so that group of people who had already traveled on that boat for 66 days now lived on that boat for another month in crammed quarters as they searched for their new home. As they arrived, they did see indigenous people. There were Native Americans and the first ran, as they, they looked for the place, where are we going to set up home? Uh, they were attacked. Now, the reason they were attacked is because there had been uh, white people that had showed up before. And tragically, two things had happened. One, indigenous people had been kidnapped. You know this, the story of Squanto. He was one of those that had been kidnapped. 
And then there is also, as they, they found Plymouth Harbor, they found fields and they found evidence of civilization. You know, people had lived here. Some, well, it had been indigenous people, but they'd been wiped out by a plague that white folk had brought. So the indigenous people were fearful. And so they attacked this new group of colonists. Then that first winter, this is staggering, half of the group died. Half from exposure, from malnutrition, from sickness, half died. At one point, there were only seven able-bodied people to take care of everybody. And once they got a structure built, then a fire burnt the first roof they put over themselves. That's their pathway to Thanksgiving. Think about Peter and his praying friends. I mean, what precedes their Thanksgiving is James has been executed. Herod cut his head off. Then he arrested Peter. So Peter's been in jail. He's been chained to two guards, two other guards guarding his cell. He's next. He's going he's to be executed. And yet, when he's released from prison, there's Thanksgiving. Then when you, when you look in, into the etern, kind of eternity, and there's this crowd of people, the redeemed, giving thanksgiving to God, that this is their pathway. You know, remember the elder asked John, you know, who are these people? And he said, oh, I don't have an idea. I don't have any ideas, sir. You must know. So he told me. These are those who've come out of the great tribulation. They've washed their robes, scrubbed them clean in the blood of the Lamb. That's why they're standing before God's throne. They serve Him day and night in His temple. And the one on the throne will pitch His tent there for them. No more hunger. No more thirst. No more scorching heat. The lamb on the throne will shepherd them, will lead them to spring waters of life, and God will wipe every last tear from their eyes. From the pilgrims to Peter and his praying friends to this host of the redeemed before the, the, the throne of God, the seedbed for thanksgiving is not, hey, everything is going so great for me, I'm going to give God thanks. It's the opposite. The seedbed of thanksgiving joy for the pilgrim, to Peter, his praying friends, and the saints in eternity is distress brought about by outward circumstance. When you and I are hard-pressed, when you and I are oppressed, when you and I are suffering affliction, like the pilgrims, like Peter and his praying friends, and like the saints that show up before the throne of God in eternity future, that produces thanksgiving. The outward circumstances of the, of the crowd in the future, look at, look at what they, they, they've come out of these circumstances. Oppression. Affliction. 
and it's called great. It's been intense oppression. It's been miserable affliction. There's lack of shelter. There's hunger. There's thirst. There's discomfort. There's the lack of leadership, but then probably leads to the lack of purpose. There's death. There's pain. There's sorrow. Now, when I look at that list, I think, ugh. I normally don't give thanks when I'm experiencing all those things, but the reality is we're experiencing all those things. Every one of us sitting in this room, in one way or the other, are experiencing the same sort of circumstances that the pilgrims experienced, that Peter and his praying friends experienced, and that the saints, which we will make up a part of that group, that's our experience. This is the experience of our age. And it's out of that that we give thanks. It's not because there's no oppression. It's not because there's no affliction. It's not because there's no lack of... It's No. It's that there is tribulation. There is suffering. There is oppression. There is lack. And out of that we give thanks. Why? How? How do we do that? How can we do that? How did the pilgrims do that? How did Peter and his praying friends do that? How do the, the, the saints of the how, how do we do that? It's because Jesus. Jesus saves us through and from our great tribulation. Now, I know that, I think, I think the from, okay, when there's no more oppression, where there's no more affliction, and Jesus has saved me from tribulation, I will give him thanks. But it's not just that. Because sometimes right in the midst of tribulation, right in the midst of oppression, right in the midst of lack, Our hope is in Jesus who will ultimately rescue us. And therefore, we give Him thanks. See, that's why accompanied with thanksgiving is this song, Salvation. Salvation belongs to our God on the throne. Salvation belongs to the Lamb. Rescue from oppression. Rescue from affliction. Rescue from our our suffering. Salvation comes from our God. He is our hope. And regardless of the circumstances of our life, we will give Him thanks because He will save us. Oh yes, the blessing and glory and wisdom right in the middle. Thanksgiving. The honor, the power, the strength, thanksgiving to our God forever and ever and ever. We thank Jesus because He saves us from and through our suffering. So for a community like us, here's some thanksgiving suggestions. We want to face all of our difficult circumstances 
with confidence that Jesus is the solution. Jesus is the solution in all of our difficult circumstances. Economically, politics is not the solution to our economic distress. Jesus is the solution. Dorothy's dad has gone through a major surgery. And any good doctor would tell you, you know, I was there. I did what I was trained to do, but ultimately I'm not the solution to Bob's heart issues. Jesus is. We can only do what we can do. Jesus has to be the solution. Relationally, many of us might be getting like nervous. Oh, we got, we got to get together with our family this week. And last time it wasn't so good. And we might, we might think, okay, if we find the right counselor, then, then maybe that counselor can give us the right tools. And no. You know, the medical health profession will give you drugs. And then you might not even know you're eating turkey. So that'd be no fun, would it? So again, a psychiatrist, a psychologist, they can give some help, but they're not the solution. Jesus is the solution. We've got some great spiritual leaders and counselors in our community. They can do what they can do, but guess what? They're not the solution. Jesus is the solution. And every one of us, as we face difficult circumstances, and I don't need to put the list back up there. You and I, we know. We are facing difficult circumstances. And so together, we have to remind each other, Jesus is the solution for our suffering. He's our hope. He's our rescuer. He's our savior. And then the next thing is we've got to invite Jesus. Jesus, I, I, I'm, I'm inviting you. Come right to our table. I mean, right in the midst of our distress. Susan and I had just a brief conversation this morning because we, we, we kind of both at times, we get overwhelmed by just different things. You know, right now, we're a bit overwhelmed. Adam is going to get married tomorrow. And, you know, think, I mean, you know, we're just in the midst of it. And there's lots of details. And there's a lot of heart things connected with a son getting, oh, my only son. Anyway. Uh, like, so like you can spend a whole night thinking about all that stuff and then get up in the morning and go, oh, I had no conversation with Jesus about my anxiety. Now, that's not any... I mean, I do that all the time. And that's like, hello. I mean, I just Jesus, he's so patient with us. Yes, hello, remember me. You know, so... And then, I mean, I'm so messed up at times. I think, well, as soon as I straighten out my stuff, then, then I'll invite you to my table, Jesus. It's going, oh, you're a nut. 
He wants us to invite him into the midst of our mess. Jesus, come into the very midst of my suffering, my oppression, my affliction, and even when I'm the cause of it. He doesn't say, you're the cause of it, so you take care of it and then I'll come to you. No. He's the one that we can invite to come into the midst of our distress. And when when he does that, you see, we start giving him thanks before we're actually relieved of whatever the oppression, the affliction, the distress, the sickness, whatever. Because we know he is saving us. We're in the process of being delivered. He's doing it. I'm sensing, I'm knowing he's delivering me. So we start giving him praise. We don't wait till it's over. You start now. So give thanks to the one who saves us now. He saves us now. We're not waiting for him to save us. Now, ultimately, yes. I mean, when the day comes that we're reading about in Revelation, there will be no more tribulation. There will be no more affliction. There will be no more oppression. There will be no more lack of shelter, no more hunger, no more thirst. God will wipe away every tear because that's when the curse is lifted. That's when the new heaven and the new earth come and when His kingdom comes in all of its fullness. So yeah, that day's coming. That'll be a grand day, but we don't have to wait for that to happen to give thanks now. Because he's begun it now. Salvation has begun now. And wherever we're feeling pressed, wherever we're feeling afflicted, we can invite Jesus to help us now. And we can give him thanks. So my friends, we don't have to, we don't have the the perfect turkey or the perfect table to give God thanks. The circumstances of our life won't be a okay (laughs) come Thursday morning. We're humans living in a fallen world. The circumstances won't be perfect yet. But we can still give thanks to God because our distress, our affliction, our oppression, that's the seedbed for giving joyful thanks to God. So could I invite you to stand with me? And could I invite you, whoever wants to give a word of thanks, could we just give Jesus thanks this morning for whatever you wish to do? Jesus, in our days of distress, in our days of oppression, affliction, of tribulation, thank you that you are rescuing us. Thank you that your desire is to be at home, to be at the table of of all of our family gatherings this week. And we invite you, Lord. We invite you to come with your presence, with your power, with your saving grace 
to relieve us and remind us of how much you love us and how much you care for us. So, Lord, in your name, I ask for your richest blessing upon each household as it gathers and celebrates with thanksgiving the the same God that cared for the pilgrims in that first thanksgiving, the same God that delivered Peter from certain death and from prison, the same God that will will hear the praise of thousands and thousands and thousands in the end because the tribulation will be over. Lord, we bless you and we give you thanks in your name. Amen. Happy Thanksgiving. Have a great week.